and gentlemen, presented by the WZWA Network, it's the Insider's Edge Podcast with your host, Carlifornia. Hello everyone and welcome to the Insider's Edge Podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California Imperial. It's a joy to be with you all once again. And speaking of a joy, right here, right now, I have the opportunity to talk to a guy who I've become a very big fan of over the past year since I first discovered him uh, wrestling on a show called XPW California. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the one, this is the only, this is Big F and Joe. How are you, brother? Good, mate. Thank you. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Just did a 12-hour shift and I have a cold beer, so... Oh, Cheers. nice. Jealous. Uh, I've got to wait. I've got to wait until I've done the school run to have a beer. <laughs> Fair enough, but that's good. You've got something to look forward to. Uh, and Joe, uh, really excited to have the chance to have you on the show here. Um, the thing is, I, I figured out today that you and I are actually the same age. Uh, so I'm intrigued oh. to know about your journey as a fan before you got uh, involved in the business um, and see how it compares to me. So how did you become a fan of professional wrestling? Just one of my first memories, man. Just remember watching WCW when I was a kid and uh, just progressed from there, really. So WCW was the first thing. That's cool. So, like, it had to be at some point that you you discovered a certain different style of pro wrestling, which is kind of your bread and butter at the moment, uh, the deathmatch and hardcore style of wrestling. Uh, I know, considering we were both the same age, uh, getting your hands on footage of that kind of wrestling was very hard, uh, hard and difficult to, to come by um, as you're growing up as a fan. So how did you first discover uh, Deathmatch and, and hardcore wrestling? So in England, there was a magazine called Power Slam. I don't know if it ever made its way out to Australia. Um, and they used to have pictures of old FMW, Anita with the Flames, ECW, obviously, as it came into more prominence. And... Uh, in the in the back pages, there was like a small ads where people would write in like looking for pen pals, and I, I dread to think how many uh, nonces and pedophiles are in in that uh, little section. But basically, you could uh, find tape traders, and that's how I started falling down the slippery slope of ECW, then CZW, FMW, all that sort of stuff. Right, that's awesome. Yeah, well, I interviewed Thumbtack Jack about two years ago, and he told me about this obsession he had from just seeing these stills in these magazines, and he just had no idea how he was going to able to ever get his hands on that footage, uh, but he was just obsessed with it. So yeah, it's cool hearing, uh, you know, your version of events um, and that you're able to find those tapes that a lot of us did back in the day. Um, so uh, your fandom grows, obviously, to a point where you you want to start getting training. And I believe you get training with the UK Pitbulls, uh, Dave and Mike Waters. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I found them. I, I was watching them as a teenager. I'd go to shows on my own, like a, like a straub. Um, and they were always on the, the shows in the local area. And I obviously found out that they had a training school. So I knew when I was finished with college, I was going to go there and learn to try be a wrestler. So... Right. And uh, how was the experience with uh, with those guys? It was interesting. It was definitely like an old school sort of deal. The ring was very small. You could only bump corner to corner. It was a boxing ring, so it was very hard. Um, and they're quite larger than life characters. So today it wouldn't fly, you know, because everyone's so like in this PC, like, you know, uh, snowflake. <laughs> 
generation it wouldn't fly but it was it was hard but it was good it, it shaped me to become the person i am today so nothing but good things to say about them but yeah because they're like a bit more punk rock and old school it was different right and these days everyone needs a little bit of baby powder up their ass before they everyone, yeah everyone these days like they would tell people in training look we just don't want to take your money this is not you know this is not make a wish you know maybe be a referee maybe be a cameraman and stuff they were very honest and honest you know no one needs to hear the, the good stuff you need to hear everything that's bad about you so i'll always take that from them they were my best friends now in the business today so i, I can't put them over enough that's very cool to hear uh so okay you do some training with these big boys uh tell me about your first match my first match uh, there's quite a cool story with that my first like singles match anyway um, was against a guy called Stevie Knight, who was like, he was like one of the top guys in Britain, like, um, you know, like during the tape trading era in England, he was like one of the names, he was like head of the game, him, Doug Williams, Johnny Storm, people like that. And in the first match, as a rib, he said, oh, you're going to get colour. Like, I don't know, okay, whatever, just leave it to him. And so he hits me in the head with a fork in the match, just pulls it out of his tights. Like, it's a normal traditional wrestling match, puts me in a headlock, tells the referee to turn around, pulls the fork out, hits me in the head with the fork. And I think I'm getting colour because I've never done it before. I just presume he's going to give me colour. So I'm there, like, selling my head, trying to get blood out. And there's nothing there. It's just a, a rib on me. Um, so that was kind of interesting. And the whole match went, can you do anything off the top? Went, yeah, I can do a moonsault. He's like, good, miss that, and we'll go home. That's all <laughs> I had to know. So the lesson from that was like, after the match, he said, the reason I don't tell you anything is because if you're not told anything, you can't forget anything. Like the match can't go wrong because you're not planning from A to Z. The fans don't, you know, if they don't go for it, you have to change. So yeah, that was a cool first first match against someone I really respected and grew up tape trading as well. So it's all good. Oh, that's cool, bro. Um, so I, I noticed because uh, I, I went on cagematch.net, which is usually where I get a lot of my information uh, on, you know, people's careers and, and how they began. Uh, I believe you spent a lot of time in a company called World Association of Wrestling. Uh, and you yeah. tagged with a guy called Danny Darko, uh, also known yeah. as uh, Johnny Cougar in The Lost Boys. Uh, tell me about tagging yeah. with him and, and your time with that, that um, uh, company. So WAW is Pages Family's promotion. Right. Um, they're local to Norwich and, and the Pitbulls were always cool to be like, go train everywhere and anywhere. Do as many things as you can. Some schools get a bit butthurt about things like that. And uh, they were the next closest school. So I started training there and uh, met Danny Darko, who had a Native American gimmick at the time, which he likes to forget. And uh, we just clicked straight away. We'd, we'd be the ones after training that would go out and party and, you know, hang out and stuff rather than the other ones would just go back and sit and watch wrestling shows, I guess, all night and do that sort of thing. So we just clicked really well and then they could see it at the training and started putting us together in, in tag team matches, which was good. And we're, we're still friends and still team today. Wicked. Awesome stuff. Uh, I didn't know that. I, I should have known that that was uh, the Knight family's company, um, but that's very cool to hear. Uh, so during these years, these early years, what would you, how would you describe what the, the UK scene was like with pro wrestling? Um, it, it was kind of just before the kickoff of like obviously progress and stuff and, and became more, there was more of a scene. This was kind of in between uh, the boom from like the Attitude Era, obviously there was a boom in England, 
and then it was kind of on the downside this was like the quieter days like don't get me wrong you still do shows every week but they weren't to the level where they were a few years later um with the the rise of like progress and and just uh the internet like really helping you know and um, this was kind of like in the doldrums so to speak Right, interesting. I'm just just curious. I, I always like to hear about a certain territory and 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 what it was like at a certain period of time. Uh, so speaking of like, okay, you've been working, uh, you know, mostly in the UK for this period of time in your career. But uh, in my research, it could be wrong. The internet's wrong sometimes. But it said that you first performed in the United States in 2007 uh, for a company called Division One Pro Wrestling. I believe it said yeah. they won a bunkhouse battle royal and New Jack was also on the card. Yeah, New Jack was on the card. Um, I can't remember being, winning the bunkhouse battle royal. Um, basically, me and Darko went on the holiday to, to Florida. As kids, we had like fake IDs, which we'd use out there so we could drink alcohol. Because obviously, being British, if you've got a fake ID saying you're 21, they just think you're 21, even if you're 18 or whatever. And uh, we we, uh, we got on a tour, an indie show that had New Jack on it, and he was uh, really interesting really interesting guy <laughs> that's cool yeah bro. so he did that yeah that's true but i don't know about the bunkhouse battle royal right again I, the internet could be wrong who knows yeah <laughs> that's cool um cool so you had your first trip to the there to the u.s so we you were just on holiday uh and you just managed to get yourself a booking or something like that yeah so basically at the time i was working a bar a nightclub and i'd make so much money that we just literally go to florida or go to america like every month or so just to party we were young and um it turned out we met a guy my friend was dating a girl whose dad used to be a jobber in wcw and he just ended up getting us on shows in florida randomly when we were out there so it was like go party get to play fight in, in our pants and stuff and yeah it was cool good times uh, that is very cool uh it's, it's it's about who you know sometimes isn't it uh so uh, here's again uh internet my research don't know what's what i noticed on cagematch.net which has a lot of information on on people and, and how many times they've wrestled and where they've wrestled etc uh after november 13th 2010 you apparently only wrestled three times between then and 2015 is that incorrect uh, probably yeah i'd imagine so i don't know I, I i know i took a little break and stuff because i had like real life stuff to do like kids and stuff but it definitely yeah that, that that would be wrong okay cool just just was just checking because i was thinking well there was such a gap maybe there's a big reason why maybe you got really badly hurt or something like that but no, no juicy goss they're just I've, like... been a, I've never been hurt bad wrestling which is good that so is far good. <laughs> considering uh the style that you you've become to uh be known for uh which is a lot of this hardcore deathmatch stuff which i love uh fast forward okay to july 19th 2018 uh you're wrestling casanova valentine at jcw oddball wrestling which i would imagine would have been super exciting for you uh yeah, to wrestle for juggalo championship wrestling uh tell me about that experience there um and and, and you know about a work for the clowns so, so basically they uh toured england for the first time in like 10 15 years and i said to darko like we need to go because obviously i'm a juggler we need to go so uh we snuck backstage and we after the meet and greet and we we're speaking to them we we're basically saying about like wrestling and stuff and we got talking and they took uh, my email address down on a paper plate 
I said, oh, we'll be in touch. We'll hit you up. So I said, like, the gathering's my WrestleMania. Like, as an English person, like, I'd, that'd be sick to go to the gathering. And then a few months later, they kept to their word, just getting a message from the clan saying, yeah, do you want to be a part of the gathering and stuff? And, you know, this is what we'll do for you. So it's just like, if you don't try, you don't get, right? So by sneaking backstage and talking to them, they were super fucking cool and hooked it all up for me. And then that, that's how I asked and... Cass is a fucking dude so we partied at the gathering bled at the gathering and then he's like helped me out in america and stuff awesome so okay i always if i have someone on the show that's been to the gathering i have to ask a little bit about the experience i've i've talked to to pondo who's been there i've talked to too tough tony who's been there uh can you tell me any sort of you know memories of, of being at the gathering okay. so within five minutes of being there i went to the gypsy crew tent uh like camping area and uh hit a six foot bong for the first time like it was giant like this giant six foot bong never met these people before super cool um so that was the start of my gathering experience um it's just fucked up man it's like everyone that likes live music experiences should go to one gathering it's, it's life-changing for sure yeah i don't want to say too much it's just fucking mental and i don't want to get like <laughs> shit but you just see so much fucked up shit so good <laughs> i thought that i thought as much uh but it's still on my bucket list it's still on my bucket list do it uh, do it for sure go on forever because they're only getting older um but yeah it's a, it's a real cool experience cool hopefully next year i'll be able to go um cool so speaking of casanova valentine uh you've rest you've worked with him six times from my you, it might be more internet again could be wrong, uh, including a no ring death match in Vegas with Marcus Crane involved. May he rest in peace. Uh, uh, but one big one that I've seen myself, and we've actually done a reaction video to it on our YouTube channel, uh, was uh, CZW Tournament of Death 18 bundles and boards match. Um, for you, how important was it to finally work a tournament of death? And, and what did you think of that experience? It was a life goal. Like, I still remember getting TOD1 on VHS, like, bootlegs, and it came through before I went to school. So I had to bunk school that day, of course. Um, like, the postman came early that day. Um, yeah, it's fucking awesome to work TOD. I mean, the, the circumstances around that match weren't ideal because uh, he was coming from New York, and it was a case of, like, the match got moved back. The match got moved back. It, oh, if he's not here in the next five minutes, um, you're just going to have to work whoever, you know, um, so the, the circumstances around it weren't great, but it's fucking TOD, man. I was just an English tape trader kid, you know, that would have seen un, un, impossible back in the day. So, yeah, definitely a life goal ticked off right there. Right. It was the world's worst, like, it wasn't the best TOD of all time, <laughs> definitely not. Like, I'm not saying that, um, but who cares? Like, fucking none of my friends have done TOD, like in England, so I'll take it. No, that's awesome, bro. A goal achieved there. And, uh, you know, I had to, I want to kind of press on this TOD experience a little bit more. For you, are you going out there with a lot of those fans, not really knowing a lot about you, maybe? Uh, you hadn't wrestled uh, on a CZW show before. I don't know what it's kind of like with those fans there. Did, did you feel like you had something to prove there? Did you feel like um, uh, there was a bit of pressure to get over with uh, their fan base? Oh, 100%, because at the time, like, no one really knew who I was at all, really. Um, so it's super, super nerve-wracking. And then, obviously, it's amplified because it does mean so much to me. It's not just another 
show like some of them are american guys they kind of it's probably lost on them they don't realize the platform they have um yeah it was nerve-wracking man i can't there's nothing more i get crazy nerves before wrestling so that was that was an exceptionally bad one for me nerves wise but yeah it was all good that's good that's good bro um because you know, like here's the thing like i, I think about uh, a crowd seeing you come out for the first time uh and this is the this is the, the question that kind of it ma- makes me laugh a little, little bit um for a lot of people out there that may not understand when they first see big f and joe walk out uh why was your attire of choice a collared shirt and and your white undie pants <laughs> uh, it, it makes a great visual with all the blood because they're both white uh, and I know Jasmine St. Clair has talked about your your big legs being eye candy in the past as well. Uh, so uh, tell me a little bit about the decision for for that outfit. Um, it all started through like a rib in a promotion called Rise. We were doing like a storyline and it just, rather than wearing the dress trousers, looking like uh, right to censor or corporate cane, you know, in a dress suit and stuff. And it's like more comedic. When I work security or a bouncer or whatever you call it in where, where you're from, a lot of the time your trousers do rip in real fights. They just rip, like you'll slam something to the floor and your trousers will rip and your balls will be out and stuff. So it's just more comical. Um, and it started from that. And it's just an easy sort of thing. Like no matter, on first sight, no matter what match has been on before, you're always going to remember the fat cunt in the in the tighty whiteies or the nappy or whatever the fuck people think it is. Like by hook or by crook, you'll talk about it. And that's all that really matters in wrestling, right? So it's half the job done there and then. Um as well with the death match thing so many guys wrestle in fucking jeans and a long sleeve top and stuff and it's just it's like death match right it's a visual art form so i mean for me it works like i'm not justifying it as a good look because it's not but <laughs> realistically for me it's a good hustle because the gear is super cheap and people always fucking talk about it and then when i do family shows as well it's like 90 percent of my shows are family shows so you can have more fun with it you know you're in in a fucking pants so you can do like stink faces and stupid goofy shit like that that just get over with a different audience because more pantomime as such but yeah just it's noticed that's that's the whole the whole reason behind it really right okay that's cool now i've uncovered uh that and you know what it does stand out people do remember it because uh, i'll tell you a little story here uh joe uh on our youtube channel we we do you know reviews of of wrestling pay-per-views etc and we're the only ones that seem to have the balls to actually cover xpw um my co-host wasn't really he didn't really know a lot about xpw uh so he was going to this kind of you know just looking at it from a fresh perspective perhaps maybe he'd listened to a little bit too much jim Cornette that week but uh in the review I mean, we talked about, you know, you're in three matches on that show. In the review, like, you know, you know, you you, you work with um, uh, the big boy, uh, Terex, uh, Necro Butcher, and also Masada. Uh, you know, and my, my co-host was just ripping into you. And I was like, ease up. Like, what's, it wasn't that bad. What's your problem? <laughs> anyway, he, I don't know what was with him that day, but the next uh, the day that the review went out on YouTube, you should have seen the amount of people with comments on Twitter on our on our YouTube channel just ripping into my co-host, and uh, I don't know, it, it just made me laugh so much that he was just torn to shreds by all these big F and Joe fans 
to the point where we did the next day do a reaction video of you and Casanova Valentine at TOD. And then he realized how in the wrong he was because he just didn't get it. You know what I mean? And I think maybe he just judged you on what he thought was your attire. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I get that. Like, I know a lot of people don't like the attire and wrestling's so subjective. So I'll never get offended by, you know, someone not getting what I'm selling sort of thing. But uh, I just think like by hook or by, he was talking about it, right? If I'd have just mm. went out in fucking jeans with some band patches and a fucking emo top on, there'd, there'd be no conversation, right? So this, it's important to be remembered. So even if they don't like it, they're fucking talking. That's half the battle. So that's, that's where I stand. And plus, like, it's more visual, like, I'm bleeding in fucking pants, man. In no <laughs> knee pads, no elbow pads, just pants. You know, some people are going out there like looking like, can you remember Greg Valentine when he was in that barbed wire match in Japan? They've got fucking jeans on with pads over the jeans, fucking hoodie. It's like, what's the fucking point? It's death, man. man. If, I've, if, I've, if I've got the balls to do it in pants, then fucking <laughs> uh, that says something to the other guys, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Very cool, brother. I just wanted to tell you that story because uh, it, it got a real chuckle out of me because uh, I like uh, when my, my co-host gets a little bit of misfortune in his life. It, it really, uh, it pops me. Um, so uh, not long to go here, Joe. Really appreciate your time again. Uh, as time wears on after this period, you know, after your uh, TOD experience, you start to work with some names, uh, you know, real like kind of big, U.S. deathmatch names like Schlack for the first time in Leeds in England in 2021, Hood fought for ICW No Holds Barred in 2022, uh, John Wayne Murdoch the following month in Illinois. How did you feel, you know, now you're starting to work with some of these, I guess, names from the U.S.? That must have been pretty exciting for you, right? Yeah, it was a good, it was a good run because I'm still a massive wrestling fan, so I always watch wrestling if I'm, like, on the cross trainer and stuff, so... I've been watching these guys for years thinking like I would love to do death matches, but in England there just wasn't a scene. So to finally get to, you know, step toe to toe with guys I've watched for years and then make new friendships and connections and stuff was a really cool time. I had some fucking wars as well. Like the matches held up most of them. So it was good. That's cool, bro. And the next one, I've, I've only got a couple more questions here before we get to our final segment. Uh, I'm ending this with this one here because uh, I want to save more for next time if maybe you want to come on the show in maybe a year's time or so. Uh, April 9th, 2022, as I just talked about, XPW California, uh, your battle, that big bastard, uh, T-Rex, the legendary Necro Butch, I mean, come on. And then Masada in the semifinals, another deathmatch legend and someone I would consider a friend now. Um, how big of an occasion is this for you? I mean, we've talked about some names just before there, but you're working with Necro and Masada in the same night. Um, that's crazy. Come on, tell me a little bit about that. And that was a fucking long, long day because I think <laughs> when I checked the time in England, it was like seven o'clock in the morning or something. Um, yeah, that was fucking a shift, man. I think when I worked Necro, I think the first punch he threw broke my nose. Obviously, it was barefoot as well. I had a torn Achilles at the time. Uh, so the barefoot thing I didn't know was coming. And that was just a on the moment sort of thing. So that was a real, the shower that night it really fucking sucked. I remember going through the airport like death. Um, yeah, that was, that was fun. It's just a shame the show went on for like eight hours. But I think people should check out that tournament. Definitely an underrated tournament, I would, I would say. 
Definitely, you know, and uh, it, I'm sure it's been edited down because there were a lot of gaps between uh, the matches to set the next one up. Uh, but, um, you know, I watched it after it, it had finished so I could skip through all that. So it wasn't too painful for me from Australia here. But, yeah, was, huge it, day for you. You'd do your match and you'd be like up here. Then you think, right, what's the next? And you'd be like waiting three hours before your next match. So you're fucking ready for bed and, and the shower and stuff. That was, uh, yeah, a really, really long night. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I just remembered. I always ask the, the deathmatch guys on the show this question: uh, How many times do you think or, uh, you've ruined bed sheets over the years with just blood seeping out from you whilst you're sleeping? Uh, this seems like it'll be a, a quite a prominent problem throughout the scene, right? Yeah, yeah. It's best to normally uh, sleep in a hoodie or something like a tracksuit. I'd say and just kayfabe the sheets, palm them off. It's normally the best thing to do, I find, if you've got seeping, seeping wounds and shit. <laughs> yeah, I was just, uh, I just wonder. Another thing that's hard for deathmatch guys, which not many of them do, but sunbeds, when you've got like massive open cuts, try to go on a sunbed, is <laughs> no fun because you have to cover them up, I guess, when you've got your insides hanging out. <laughs> crazy shit bro uh so the last question before we get to the final segment what is next for big f and joe uh who do you want to work with what do you want to accomplish next what is you know on the bucket list for you next um i'm just happy doing cool shit man like because i thought none of this would happen like i just fucking love wrestling even if i was wrestling in a holiday camp in england for 30 quid and a fucking pizza i'd be ecstatic so right now i feel i'm in a good run you know i've done well, obviously, TOD got postponed, but it would have been GCW, CCW, and XPW all in the space of three weeks. So I think that's a pretty good standing in independent wrestling wise, because I, I don't know of anyone that's, you know, working and getting on with everyone as such. Um, but opponent wise, I would like to have another match with Schlack for sure. Um, try to get that belt off him, of his cold, dead hands. Uh, Nick Gage would be a massive one for me as well. Um, before he uh, eventually ends it sort of thing, I guess. Um, I'm just happy to do cool shit. Like, I want to get to Japan. That's a goal of mine. Uh, Australia is a goal of mine as well. Um, I just want to keep doing cool shit, man. Like, life's too short to work shit jobs you hate, right? <laughs> exactly. I went through that for about 10 years of my life, and now I'm I'm pretty settled. But, uh, you know, Deathmatch Down Under, if anyone from that company, if you're, you're listening to me right now, you're watching this interview, come on. Book it. Walk in. It's Big F and Joe for fuck's sake. It'll be great. Um, <laughs> it'll be great to have you over here, bro. Um, <clears throat> okay, so Big F and Joe, we're going to get to our final segment here of the show. It's finally about, about your favourite things in life. Uh, the first three are about wrestling, though. Joe, who is your favourite pro wrestler of all time? Of all time? Mm. Uh, um. Let's just say, I'll go with Sting. Fuck it. Of all time, Sting. Awesome. Very good choice. Uh, do you have a favourite opponent from over the years? Uh, Schlack, Cass, Darko. Um, yeah, just as well, when you're friends, like Bulk, uh, you know, one of my trainers, when you're friends, it's more fun because you can laugh at shit. You can look back at shit for years and bring up past memories. So I'd say any time I work with friends, a good time. 
Cool. Uh, is there one particular match that you'd say is your favourite one that you've performed in? If someone said to you, hey, show me what it is that you do, what would be that match you'd show them? That's a hard one, but maybe just for making it easy for them, maybe me versus Necro at uh, California. It's only two, three minutes. Right. So it's not much attention. That was quite a mad match as well, like with the barefoot and the glass and shit. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, getting away from wrestling now. Uh, do you have a favorite book? Favorite book, man. Um, maybe Foley's first biography. Maybe. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, do you have a Christmas? That's why I think I got fond memories of it. Right. Fair enough. That's cool. Uh, do you have a favorite TV show? favorite tv show uh, i don't really watch much tv um if i do it's normally comedies so like there was an uh, english comedy called bottom back in the day um or there's a current one called people do nothing which is like about a pirate radio station that's quite good cool. any anything comedy i don't i don't want to think too much you know once i finish work i just want to get stoned and chill out yeah good call uh do you have a favorite film Ooh, uh, again, this, this is going to ruin my credibility. Maybe Happy Gilmore or Step Brothers. <laughs> That's okay, bro. Uh, I interviewed Sabu and his favourite TV show was like The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills or something like that. So <laughs> um, it can never be too too weird uh, when I've heard that from uh, Sabu. Uh, next one, favourite musical artist or band? Uh, I'm, I've got two sides. So obviously, massive Juggalo, so ICP. But then I'm massively into like pop punk. So like, you know, bands like fucking Blink on It Two, Bowling for Soup, and shit like that. And my ska punk, like Less Than Jake, and bands like No Effects. So anything that sort of genre. Right. So now I know why you used to be called Joe FX. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't covered I, I play it. on early enough. <laughs> very cool bro okay getting away from the arts now we've only got five to go favorite food pizza very pizza good. a shit pizza built better than nothing right like there's no such thing as bad pizza. it's like when you come like if you're if you're getting laid or whatever as long as you come you're fucking happy right so a pizza whether it's a good pizza or a bad pizza is still the same it's pizza it's great <laughs> great analogy bro uh do you have a favorite place to eat on the road in England, it's pretty shit because you're only really after 11 o'clock, unless it's a kebab shop, which is unlikely because you're on, on the road, would be McDonald's. And that's so boring. But America, you have places like Wawa, which is so good, so convenient. Um, just, yeah, that's my favorite thing about going to America is just all the junk food options. No matter what, if you want a fucking Chinese buffet at three o'clock in the morning, you can get it. But Crazy. America wise, also Wawa. Okay, very cool. Uh, what's your favourite alcoholic beverage? Um, I'm a light beer person, so I guess like a cause Light, Bud Light, pretty easy, cheap date. Very good, very good. Uh, second last one could be considered the naughtiest one of the favourite things here. Uh, favourite female body part? Uh, Big F and Josie is a good-looking woman. What will your eyes look at first? Uh... Uh, tits i guess <laughs> very good <I> guess. Uh, <laughs> awesome bro and the last one here uh big f and joe favorite curse word 
fuck i've said so much or cunt because people get offended by it and i don't get it like i i'll never get how people get offended by words like why would you give power to a word mm-hmm. so maybe fuck or cunt yeah you see the thing is you're english i'm australian we get it we we understand what what, what cunt means you know that to, to us it's it could be most of the time a term of endearment you know he's a good cunt yeah of course. yeah and the people you don't yeah. like, you sometimes you call mate, you know, you go, look, look, mate. So that's kind of how it works, you know, with our. Yeah, our... yeah I think the world's pretty fucked up if people are getting offended by everything. <laughs> Pathetic. I agree, bro. Um, and I've had a great time here on this show with you, Big F and Joe. Um, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, hope to see you in Australia sometime. Hope to see your continued success in the US. Um, so, again, thank you so much for your time, bro. No, thank you, dude, for uh, putting me over. No worries, bro. And thank all of you out there for joining us here on the Insider's Edge podcast. I'm California. This is my new homie, Big F and Joe. And we will see you down the road. Thank you. Network, that's the way we blind get puppies. Hey, don't play network, that's the way we blind get all of us has been paid for by the WZWA network.